0: pastor Corey, if we haven't met uh, my wife pastor her and i uh, we planted the church uh here about five years ago god has been good to our church and and uh, god has been good to you and uh he's been good to us you know there was a time when our family was like over so for me to see her up there playing drums you know um what god has done in our lives is pretty powerful and we get a little emotional about it i was listening to a different song um this morning when i went into the kitchen and i said uh, Maybe we should do this song this morning instead, you know. It's always dangerous when pastor listens to a different song. And I hear from the kitchen, Neela say, nope. And I realized she hadn't played the other song. And so I thought, oh yeah, no, we'll, we'll stick with our, with our song service. So, um, Hey, uh, if you're here uh, and your kids were in day camps, uh, can you just give the day camp volunteers just a huge round of applause? Really great job, you guys, you know. And, um. We have all sorts of things planned for you after the service as well. There's even a dunk tank back there. You know, there are some churches that, because they respect and love their pastor, wouldn't, wouldn't want their pastor maybe to have to go in the dunk tank. My wife will mow your kids down. She will mow your kids down to get there when I'm in that dunk tank, so hang around afterwards. Uh, It's going to be great. My staff are in a funny place (laughs) about the dunk tank because they, I know what they're thinking, but it's tricky for them. Thanks, Sean. (laughs) You get why it's tricky because they might get fired. Yeah, no, I I get that. I just didn't want to say that in public. Today is our uh, final uh, Shark, Shark Week series. We've been talking about the life and times of Jonah, the prophet. Uh, today's sermon is called uh, The Big Sulk. And so we're coming out of last week's sermon where God does the impossible and takes the Assyrian nation, Nineveh, and saves them. And these guys were like crazy people, and I'm not going to tell you what they used to do. Don't let your kids Google it. Um, but they were crazy, and Jonah, in some regard, you know, wasn't wrong in thinking that they needed to be destroyed, uh, but God's like, I want to give them one last chance. And so last week, we're coming out of the sermon where God actually saves the entire city of Nineveh. So like 120,000 people come to the altar call, and God does the impossible. Um, and then Jonah gets in a weird uh, funk in today's sermon, and I've called sermon the sermon the big sulk. Um, here's what I want to say, that that the, the mountain you face, or that the Goliath uh, you face right now, can I say it like this? I, I feel like we don't understand this. The mountain you face, the addiction you face, the marriage problem that you face, the work situation, you know, that's Goliath beating that. Goliath is not the finish line. I know that you'd like, it's, but it's a thing that you wake up every morning and that's all you can think about is this problem that you have, that the enemies at work in your life and listen, God, God sees you and God knows you. And God wants you to have victory over Goliath. But Goliath is not the finish line. This life is going to go on. The finish line for, for us on this earth is going to heaven. If you're a son or daughter of God, like we go to heaven. like That's the finish line. Because next month, there's going to be a different Goliath. And you know what I've found is that in our culture here, I'm, I think that, that we've got a problem because after Goliath goes down, I think that's where most of us lose the fight after Goliath. Like it's like after the hard part of the race, I feel like that's where we kind of lose it. Um, but the day camps were pretty awesome. Weren't they? If your kids were here in day camps, I mean, um, man, I, I, uh, I was looking at a friend of mine, pastor, Jacob Mullen. He's, um, the pastor of home church. He's building a huge building on the highway, great big church, uh, on the highway in Red Deer. And, uh, that new monstrosity out there. And I was there taking a tour of the building and it's, uh, it's a terrific building. And my wife calls me up during day camps and you know what she says to me? Uh, she's like, cause, cause we had uh, during one of the days we had planned an alpaca and a, like a donkey, I think, or something to come here for the kids. Right. And so she's like, the alpaca didn't make it. And then she says he had a family emergency. Anybody in the house married? Okay. When I'm building a conversation, it goes from like a to B to C, you know, my wife, she kind of jumps around in there a little bit and she's like, he has a family emergency. The alpaca didn't make it. He had a family emergency. And I'm like, what's a family emergency to an alpaca? Like somebody ate my apple. Oh my goodness. It's a big deal. You know, like If, if you're new to venue, this is what we do. So might as well laugh with everybody else. The, um, And she says, she says, uh, his dad had to go to the hospital, had to get rushed to the hospital. I'm like, the vet clinic? You took an alpaca's dad to the hospital? Now, my wife, if you know Pastor Aaron, like, she's awesome and everything, but, but I feel like, um, I feel like when I ask a question, I feel like she. She makes her own question and answers that anybody married. I feel like she's answering a question, but it's not my question. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? The Alpaca had a family emergency. Yeah. His dad had to get rushed to the hospital. I'm like, what? Like, and 15 sentences later, I finally got out of it that the Alpaca's owner had read the And that's why the Alpaca, and I'm like, okay, but you got to like, you got to go from like the thing to the next thing. And then the next thing, you know? Um, my wife, one time we were halfway, we were halfway into a conversation one time. And I'm like, finally, I'm just like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, what are, what are you talking about? And then she says, she says, oh, maybe I was dreaming that. (laughs) I'm like, you start by saying that part. You start by saying like this next whole thing might be a dream that I had. It might not be real. I'm like, you have to start there so that I can think about something else. when You know what I mean? Nobody else married? <laughs> Your wife ever get mad at you about a dream that she had? And <laughs> I was getting eaten by a bear and you did nothing. And that's exactly like you. <laughs> like, but that's a dream that didn't happen. I would probably do something if there was a bear there. Like probably, right? Um, <laughs> My idea of heaven would be, would be living, not with my wife in a mansion, just hold on. But like living in a mansion beside my wife who had to live with 10 errands and just watch them argue about things and just watch them have conversations about things. and just like, maybe it would work, you know, but that would, that would, I got my request into Jesus. Uh, He's not going to give it to me, but that would be pretty awesome. Listen, so we had to rush an emergency donkey in and Eric shoots parents, Eric, like they pushed and pulled a donkey into, uh, and, uh, brought some goats in. And one of the little guys at day camp, um, one of my, my wife, Pastor Aaron was telling me like, one of the little guys was like, cause they're, they're like, Hey, there's going to be a special guest and it might be a donkey. And he's like, it's not going to be a donkey. It's going to be somebody dressed up like a donkey. <laughs> and then the, the donkey shows up and he loses his, he's like, what? <laughs> and so th- we had a great time. Uh, lots of kids were here and, uh, Start a relationship with Jesus. I think it's it's going to be. Thank you, team, for doing that. We appreciate you serving our city in that way, very much. You know that's also made possible when we're generous with the Lord and His house, and that was made possible by a generous donor. Who, if if you can you can do a lot of things with that, but impacting 160 kids uh, is a pretty awesome uh, investment in in the kingdom of God. So thank you. Uh, you know who you are. Thank you for that very much. Um, Listen, let's talk about post Goliath because post Goliath is where you and I end up kind of losing the fight a lot of the times. You know, I don't think that after Goliath, I don't think after Goliath that it's the devil that beats us. You know who I think beats us right there? I think it's us. I think after Goliath, there's something in Jonah. There's something in Jonah that he actually beats himself. And there's something that it, Canadians, can I go at our culture a little bit right now? Cause it's getting a little bit weird out there. I think that, that, that Jonah's, he's got an internal problem that ends up beating him and, and making him small on the inside when he should be big on the inside. And it's like, it's like, has your heart ever gotten weird about something? You know what everybody's telling you right now? Like, trust your heart. That led to the divorce rate, trust your heart. The Bible says the human heart is deceitful above all things. It says, it says, trust God's heart, right? Is this not working for you? Your brain is like, trust me. But your brain told you to do the last dumb thing that you did. Your brain told you to, your brain was like, "I a hundred percent agree with that. You should do that. That makes a lot of sense. You know, see. It's, it's more than heart and mind issues. It's actually, you ready? It's actually an internal attitude that can sink you an internal, uh, attitude. And then we become our own worst enemy. I was, um, we were at lunch. Have you ever been in Banff To It's called the, the park distillery. It's like a restaurant. Have you ever been there? Uh, try the chicken sandwich. Well, you can't, you're a vegan try the broccolini. I have never recommended. I didn't even know what broccolini was. And I'm like, this is vegetables. It was incredible. And I've been like, try the broccolini. I've never recommended vegetables before, but try the broccolini at the park. Anyway. So we were there with, um, we were there eating uh, lunch with a bunch of pastors a couple months ago. And, um, so Pastor Jake, who I was talking about building that building, he and his wife were there. My, my wife and I were there. Pastor Steven from C3 in Calgary was there. Some guy that I can't remember his name was there. Nathan Finocchio was there. You remember him? He preached here. And Pastor Joe Champion, who has a giant church in Austin, Texas, was there. Now, people from Texas are different than Canadians. Because we had one of those waiters... Um, Do you know those? I I always make fun of millennials. I'm gonna have to make fun of a whole different generation coming up pretty soon here. But the millennials have been good to me. You guys have given me lots of material. So, have you ever met one of those like perfectly like perfectly done up millennials? Like he had the perfect haircut, and he had like our waiter. He had the perfect mustache. you spend like an hour on that mustache every day, right? My generation, we obviously don't care what we look like, but the millennials, man, you guys look sharp. And so this guy was like the perfect millennial. He was wearing the jean shorts. The jorts, my guys are like, those are called jorts, jean shorts. I'm like, oh, our generation didn't know that guys could wear those, but millennials, you're rocking it. And I finally got myself a pair and I'm like, I'm going to try it. And you know, and then I I took them home and my wife's like, you're not wearing that. And I'm like, you can't tell me. And then I wanted to wear them because she said I shouldn't wear them. And she liked it. She's, she's too proud to say that I look pretty awesome in jorts. Anyways, there's this guy that comes over. So he's our waiter, right? So he comes over and he was just having a bad day. You know, he was like one of those millennial waiters that is like, oh, I don't get to hang out with my friends today. Because that's how all millennials talk, right? I didn't get to hang out with my friends today. <laughs> I'm adding a little bit to this. Um, so he came over. He was in a bad mood because Pastor Joe's like, like, uh, I have some questions about the menu. And he comes over and he's like super sullen, right? Like Canadian culture, passive aggressive, right? The Americans don't understand. They're like, what's happening right now? I'm like, oh, we're going to talk about this on Facebook later, you know? And so, um, so pastor Joe, he does a very un-Canadian thing and all the Canadians were shocked. This is what he says, right? He goes, bro, what's wrong with you in the restaurant? What's wrong with you? Why are you copping this attitude right now? Why you got this bad attitude? And he, man, ain't nobody. Talk to him like that. Not even his own mom. My mom talked like that all the time. She said whatever she wanted. But like nobody ever like, dude, why you got this terrible attitude right now? And I watched him in shock. And I'm like, you can't do this in Canada. You can't do this in Canada. And this dude backed his Canadian truck up so fast. I'll tell you, this waiter's like beep, 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 a eh, beep, beep, beep. Eh. And I'll tell you, he was very eager to please. He was the best waiter in uh, Banff after that. And I watched what Pastor Joe did in confronting that internal attitude that he had. And he actually built a relationship in less than five minutes with him, just because he had the guts to say something about it. And I'll tell you that guy's attitude changed. Can I ask you this? Whatever circumstance that put him in that bad mood was did the circumstance change for the better to get him out of that bad mood? I'd suggest that his circumstance got much worse when pastor Joe was like, dude, like that's not what he was hoping for. You know, this statistically, your circumstance amounts to about 10% of your happiness. We're like trying to line our circumstances up so much, but 90% of happiness is not to be found in what's happening around you and to you. Some of us. We look at what happened in our past and we're not happy now and we're still blaming the past, but that only amounts to about 10% of that. Did you know that when you come into the family of God, God actually has the happiness switch. He has the healing switch. He has the like, Hey, no, I can. And your circumstance might not work out. and, And a lot of us come from brokenness. Like I get it, but it may not work out, but God can still make you happy and God can still fulfill you and God can still do all the things. But our internal attitudes, even if God were to take your circumstance and Goliath down, your internal attitude is going to beat you after that, unless you get that right. So, so, okay, that was the appetizer. Can I get into the steak? Listen, so, you know, Pastor Joe was being honest though, right? Because he's like, I don't want to have to deal with this guy. with his attitude. So he's being honest, right? But the waiter was kind of being honest too, though, right? Cause like he was in a bad mood and why, if you're in a bad mood, why should you say that you're in a good mood and why should you smile when you're not happy or angry, you know? So they're both kind of being honest though, right? Like Eor is just being honest. Eeyore, you know, like we're probably going to lose both of our limbs today. You know what I mean? Like that tree's going to fall on you and crush you. You know what? He wasn't being honest. In fact, he wasn't being honest at all. You ready? Honesty is not speaking. Your mind is speaking the truth. Honesty has to do with the truth. Speaking your mind is honest when it aligns to the truth because honesty has to do with truth, right? I'm speaking my mind. When you're two year old, you don't give them candy in the grocery store. And they're like, you hate me because you won't give me candy. Are they being honest? They're being jerks. <laughs> they need to hang out with Pastor Richard for a while. My dad, he'd fix that. It's just like, there is what they're saying true. Uh-oh. But I said that because that's how I felt. Well, what if you felt, what if you internalized a lie The the word of God says out of the, the abundance of, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You're letting people into what's going on inside of you. But what if what's going on inside of you is wrong? What if you believe something that's wrong? What if you feel something that's wrong and you're speaking that we're saying that's honesty now? No, no, no. Honesty has to do with the truth because there's another person who speaks his mind all the time. The devil. He's just being honest. Is he? Or is he speaking a lie that he believes? Come on. When you're raising kids, no, you're not being honest, you're being a jerk. You need to quiet that down until God can work on the internal part of you and align it to the truth. Now, oh, there's so much I want to stay about. There's a lack of uh, accountability in our nation, in civic leadership and in politics right now. We are accepting lying all of the time. We are expecting them to lie to us. Our grandfather would never put up with that. You know why? I, I stopped being mad at politicians. You know why? Because I'm like, the only way that, that, that we allow that in society is because we allow it in ourselves and in our own homes. That's why we think that that's normal now is because that's the way it is at home. And I realized, wait, 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 wait. wait. When we're voting for people when we're thinking about that. Are we looking for promises that we know they're not going to keep? Or are we looking for the person who's like, no, actually this, I'm going to do this. And if I do this, then I'm going to do this. You know, are we looking for pastor? Erin, she's all worried. She's like, are you going to tell them who you're voting for? I'm like, no, I want, I want no, I'm not going to do it. Listen, no, it's not about, it's just like, what are you looking for anymore? Um, Listen, there's this whole stuff going on right now in society. This whole like woke stuff. Can I just take us like, you know what we're doing right now? We're pushing grandpa down the stairs. We're like you and your list of morality, like you and your, like how you saw the world. And like, ah, you don't know anything down the stairs, grandpa, with your list of morality. Like there's a God who rules over us that we're accountable to. We're going to make up rules as we go. Cause that works for four year olds. This is how I feel sure. Let them drive the car the next time. Cause every boy in the room would, they feel confident. Some girls would, my girls don't like driving things. I got to get them in the car. Like you got to drive it. There's so much I want to say about this. Listen, the truth, think about the truth, like gravity, like your relationship with the truth affects you, but it doesn't affect the truth, right? And there's this whole thing now. There's like, oh, there's my internal truth about that. Like, I have a different belief about gravity. Okay, jump off a building and show me then. Show me if it affects you differently than it affects me. Can I go with this? Truth is math. And two plus two equals four, or it equals five, or it equals something. And there's this whole idea now that, like, two opposing ideas can both be equally true. Are we insane? How can two opposites be equally true. We're not talking about painting your front door, red or blue. We're talking about principles and gravity. And if I was the devil, I'd do exactly what he was doing right now in our society. And I would just take truth away and be like, Hey, you got your Chad pick yours. You pick yours, you pick yours, you pick. But the truth, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the father through me. And society's like, Hey, just find it wherever you want to find it. And if I was the devil, I'd be like, hey, that's working for me. Listen, you're not painting your front door here. It's here, here. It's more like this. It's more like this. My wife, uh, when she... Uh, my wife's a gardener. You see our yard, you know, like she takes all this care and she loves grubbing around in the dirt. You know, she just loves it. And so she waters her, our grass with a... Um, the hose has... Uh, she puts a... I think it's like miracle grow. Is, Or Do we have any gardeners here? Is that what it is? Like this thing on front of the hose, right? And so it comes through this miracle Grow thing. It would be like me saying... When she waters the grass and all the things, it would be like me saying, Hey, you know, my personal truth is I'm going to put acid in there. If we don't care about results anymore, right? Like I'm going to put acid in there. And then when I get to heaven, Jesus is going to be like, Oh, you're early. (laughs) What happened? Well, my personal truth was acid. Cause that's what would happen, right? Like in the real world, like we're real stuff. Always don't lead to heaven. Always don't lead to God. All choices of life. Don't bring happiness. They don't putting acid on stuff kills it. Um, here's what I would say. Compare Christ to every other way of life and then pick the best one. Statistically, ready? Christian nations where people are heavily involved in church, have the most mental health, statistically, are the happiest, live the longest, have the best sexual fulfillment, life is better when Christ comes to a nation. Compare it. Compare it against anything else, but at least make an informed decision for yourself. There's so much more I want to say about that. My wife is also nervous about that. Listen, (laughs) I was going to dial it back a little bit, Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he loves you way too much to let you go on and destroy yourself. And when you let an internal attitude inside of yourself that you don't let people confront and you're like, Hey, you have to accept me. Listen, love and acceptance are kind of different. If you accept bad behavior in your kids, they're going to turn out to be monsters and hurt and destroy themselves. The Bible says, if you don't discipline, you don't care enough to like, Hey, that's not true. You know, but in Canadian culture, when Ryan comes and tells me something that's crazy, I want to be nice because I don't don't want to be perceived as being mean. That's the worst thing in Canada, right? And so I just, I'm quiet when he's like, hey, you know, so Sam and I are, you know, we're thinking about like opening our relationship up to a bunch of other people, which he definitely said the other day. (laughs) This is what we do here, guys. So relax a little bit. He didn't say that. But I mean, if he said that and I say quiet and I don't say anything about it, then he thinks that I agree with him. And pastors get this all the time. We're like, and I'm not the only one who thinks that everybody thinks that. And I'm like, no, they're just Canadian. They just think you're crazy, but they don't want to say it because we're like too nice to be kind. I feel I'm going to be more pastor Joe. I'm just going to be like, bro, don't cop this attitude. Let's do this thing. Woo! It changed his attitude. He had a great day after that. It gave him an empowerment lesson too, that you are not what is happening around you unless you decide to be. You can actually choose the way of Christ in every situation. Paul and Silas, they go down into jail and spend a night in jail after they allow themselves to get beaten. And God brings salvation to the jail and changes the eternities of people there. they, they were singing songs at midnight when everything around them is like, man, you should feel sorry for yourself. You shouldn't even be here. You know, something in them that was like, no, through Christ, I'm more than a conqueror. No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is not going to define me. My past hurt is not going to define me anymore. There's healing in Christ. Some of you are like, pastor, you don't understand. I'm like, I'll bet you I've heard a story worse than yours that has been healed by Jesus. You're talking about the God whose name is actually like one of his names is like Dr. Jesus, the healer. Now, listen, there's a generation that has arisen, you know, the millennial generation. But then after that and what they're looking for in the gospel message, and this will always be a church that preaches the gospel. Now, Listen. We love and honor everybody like Jesus did, but people who were nothing like Jesus, like Jesus, but it didn't mean that he went around agreeing with everybody that doesn't save anybody. Jesus said, I'm the way the truth and the life, the truth saves, but the truth hurts, right? So, so what, what people are looking for now, you know what they're looking for? They don't care if it's true. Gen X cared if it was true. If it was a lie, we weren't going that way, but the generations coming now, you know what it is, is the message beautiful. Well, ultimately it is, but can I say it like this? Eve thought that the apple or whatever fruit it was, that, that the tree looked beautiful. Sin looks beautiful or else you wouldn't do it, right? Adam thought Eve was beautiful and ate the same sin. You know what I'm saying? The, Isaiah says, there's nothing about Jesus. I'm just going to paraphrase. It, there's nothing about him that's going to look beautiful to you. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The cross was ugly. Jesus hanging on a cross for your sins as ugly. But it brought salvation. But it brings the beauty of heaven later. It's like the seed has to go down on the ground and die. Are you tracking with me? And then it creates this harvest that you want. Now internalizing lies makes you too small for the responsibility that the victory will bring you. The enemy will let you beat Goliath if your internal world is wrong. And if you Believe in lies. He will let you beat Goliath because you'll beat yourself next. Watch, this is what happens to Jonah. In the heading in my Bible, in Jonah chapter 4, Jonah's anger at the Lord's mercy. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very honest. This change of plans. Like, God, you're not allowed to change your plans. God is like, I got to destroy this nation. Cause they're crazy. And they are like doing crazy stuff because God is just right. Um, this change of plans where God brought mercy and saved 120,000 of them. That made Jonah, the professional Christian angry. And then he starts, you know, the Bible says be angry and do not sin. It's like, it's okay to be hurt, but I think Canadians right now, we're just like, we're hurt forever, which means like I'm hurt. Therefore I'm going to do whatever I want to, you know, the person who hurt you was hurt too. And the bible's like there's a time limit on anger be angry don't sin and also don't let the sun go down on it so you got a time limit you got to get over it you got to forgive pastor richard my dad is going to be preaching about forgiveness in august you got to forgive and let it go well i can't forgive god's like well if you won't forgive then i can't forgive you but i can also heal you when you forgive too right um so he complained to the lord about it now this is where it's like it'd be better to keep your mouth shut until god fixes you inside but he doesn't. He complained to the Lord about it. And he starts a prayer with the God of the universe like this. Didn't I say not a good prayer. Start before I left home that you would do this Lord. I knew you were going to have mercy on those guys. Like he's just a weird church. When church people get weird, we get real weird. Everybody. If you're un- if you're not from a church, like you're like, I know weird church people. Like we do too. Some of them come here. Okay. He goes, that's why I left. Like, I knew you were going to do this. And that's why I screwed up and ended up in a fish. As long as you've got a story about why, you've got to hate the story about why. You've got to hate your why, why you did something stupid. You've got to hate that story. Um, watch this. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Is he accusing God of something? Because that sounds pretty good. Like, if you want to accuse me about something, like say stuff like that. That's nice. Like you love people, you want them to get saved. He's sulking, right? His his internal world believes a lie. And so everything coming out of his mouth doesn't make sense anymore. And then watch this, just kill me now, Lord. He wrote a song inside of a fish that was like, oh Lord, I'm an idiot. You were right. I was wrong. I'm in a fish. Right? Like it was super humble and he's all repentant. And he's like, yeah, no, this is on me. And, uh, and now his song is like, kill me now, Lord, kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive. If what I predicted will not happen. Did he not hear himself the previous verse? I predicted that you were going to save them. And then he just said, kill me now. If what I predicted won't happen, which means that when you're sulky and when you're in a bad mood, you don't make sense to anybody. What are you talking about? Are you, are you doing a song for a camera that nobody knows about? I said that to a person one time. I'm like, is there a camera filming this that I don't know about? Like, cause this doesn't make any sense. When you're in a sulk, nothing makes sense. And Jesus himself wouldn't make you happy. He's in a relationship with God. He's speaking with God. When you're in a sulk, you're like, oh, if only I'd have this and I'd be happy. He literally has everything that anybody could want. A one-on-one relationship with a God who loves him and has mercy on him. And he's still not happy. Why? Because Jesus would probably come down and do the Beth cope. Like put a smile on your face, boy. Let's be honest. Well, I don't feel that way. Feel it. Somebody needed my mom growing up. I had a guy one time. I was, uh, I drove a manure truck. I used, <laughs> Career paths, I'm telling you. You ever seen those trucks that spread manure on fields? Like they clean out the pens and then spread manure on fields. It was an amazing job. It was weird. And so the guy that uh, owned the truck, he was showing me in the rear differential, checking the oil levels, all of those things are things, right? I'm not like a mechanic. I don't know what I'm talking about. He's like, here's how you check the oil in the rear differential. And he's like, you got to pull the check oil plug, right? But instead of the check oil plug, he pulled the, let's drain the oil plug underneath there. Oil is coming out. I have never seen, I'd never up to that point in my life seen anybody go zero to crazy that fast. He is underneath there. He used to go to my dad's church. Underneath there, and he's in grass like up to here, right? And he dropped the plug. And the oil is just... And he is scratching. And this is what he's yelling from under the truck. You ready? Why doesn't God just kill me and get it over with? Church people, man. I'm yelling from the side. Marty, put your finger in the drain. Just plug the whole Marty. That's what sulk will do. It'll dump your oil out all over you. Then you'll get mad at God about it. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? And we don't even see the Jonah response. He just did the Canadian like (laughs) mutter. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city. Come on, worship team. And made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. Can you imagine this? Get this, get this. Jonah just had a altar call where 120,000 people gave their lives to Jesus and they have no pastor except for him. And he gets so sulky that he walks outside of the city. He walks outside of the city. Watch this, watch this. Can I say this? There's a whole group of Christians, people calling themselves Christ followers out west of Red Deer right now who are buying property and going off the grid because they're so angry with the government and everything. And I'm like, I get the craziness that happened in COVID. Like I get it, but they're all like freedom fighters and stuff. And I'm like, listen, listen, Christ did die to set us free, but he also said, take up your cross and follow me. He also said, you gotta lose, find your life by losing it. You gotta serve your city. You gotta, and they're going off the grid with everybody who believes what they believe. And they're just gonna watch Canada burn. Why? So they can say that I told you so to their neighbor, but they don't have neighbors cause they're going off the grid. And I'm just like, what are we doing? Hey kids. It's a little soon. I'm not quite in yet, but come on in. So the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. Soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shaded him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But listen to this. God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away, and the sun grew hot. God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah the sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die this was supposed to happen after I was done preaching it was funny. hi guys God said to Jonah is it right for you to be angry because the plant died yes Jonah retorted even angry enough to die then the Lord said you feel sorry about the plant though you did nothing to put it there it came quickly and died pl- quickly quickly but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Hey kids, you can turn around and look at me. Do you guys want to look at Pastor Corey? Do you guys want me to tell you a story about a time that I was going to run away from home? Do you guys want to hear about this story? Come on in, guys. Good to see you. How was day camps? Was it Awesome. I saw you guys, you were having a blast. Oh my goodness, how many kids are here? Yeah, turn the air conditioners on. It's starting to smell like kids. good we have a really really short kids program that they want to show you all the things that they learned in day camps oh my they keep coming come on venue kids this is great all right I'm gonna preach it I'm gonna preach it with the kids in here Okay, you guys ready? I'm gonna tell you about the time that I ran away from home. You guys ready? Okay, so when I was like in grade five, maybe, and I grew up in a great family. When I was in grade five, my dad probably asked me to take out the garbage or something. And you know what? I was just in a bad space in my heart. And I'm like, anybody have little brothers or sisters? They're like foot soldiers. You need expendable little brothers and sisters. And I told my brother, I'm like, Ryan, I said, my little brother, I said, Ryan, we've had enough. We're not doing this anymore. We're running away from home. And I said, Ryan, we've had enough. And he said, we've had enough. I'm like, we've had enough. We can't do this anymore. Dad can take his own garbage out. I'm like, pack up your backpack, Ryan. So we packed up our backpacks. It took us like an hour. It was like 530. It was about 5.30 in the evening. We get to the door and my dad's in the living room. Has anybody ever planned on running away from home? Right? Don't put your hand up, your parents are here. Oh my goodness. We didn't tease him down at dick camps. And I'm like, my dad's in the living room. And my dad was not emotionally connected, but this is what he, he, he could tell something was going on. He's like, what's up? Where are you going, Corey? And I said, we've had enough. Ryan and I both have definitely had enough. We're out of here. We're running away from home. And my dad said to me, you know what he said? My hand is on the door. I'm ready to go. I had worked out this whole scenario. You guys ever do this where I'm like, I'm going to go out and get hit by a car. And at my funeral, my dad's going to be like, why wasn't I nicer to Corey? Why didn't I take the trash out? He was such a good kid and I made his life so miserable. My hand is on the door. My dad says, he says, you are. He said, what are you gonna do about supper? My hand is on the door. I glared at my dad and walked back into the house. And I feel like God has a table, Jesus has a table set for you. But you and I, we gotta give up the attitudes to sit and eat at that table we got to give up our bad attitudes and we got to start being grateful for all the things that the Lord has done for us. Are you guys ready to sing? I thank God.